Do you want to clap at the same time? Is that how this works? Okay, one, two, three. Hello. Hello. We're recording our first episode. I it's know. so exciting. I feel like I'm talking too loud. I, I won't know until I edit this later. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. Um, I might be the loud one, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, we're both loud together, and that's why we're doing this. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So this is our podcast. This is You Can't Be Sick on Mondays. Brand spanking new. It's the first one. Thank you so much for tuning in if you're listening. We really appreciate it. So how did this name come to be? Because it's kind of a kind of a funny name. It is a funny name. So this name comes from a work story that I have, and we may be talking about many work stories on this pod. Um, do we call it a pod or do we call it a podcast? Because I think we can call I'm it a new. pod. Oh, okay. We can so. call it a pod. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> this is my pod with Samson. <laughs> so basically, we have so many stories to tell you all. We have work stories, life stories. And just to give you a little bit of background about me, I come from 10 years in law enforcement and government work. And I have left that field. I left it in July of 2020 amidst the pandemic. And one of my stories is I had just started a new job at a police department. And in December of 2014, I got very sick. (coughs) Excuse me. Really on cue there, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on cue with my coughing. It's like psychosomatic. But anyways, um, I was very sick. I had a lung infection. I had bronchitis. I had something else going on. And I was out for 14 days. And so fast forward to March of 2015, my lieutenant decided to sit me down and give me the sick sick leave abuse policy to sign. And he said, it's not that we think you're abusing sick leave. We just want you to know that there's a policy on it. And I was very confused. And I was like, why am I getting this? And he's like, well, back in December, you took 14 days off of work. And I provided doctor's notes. I did all the things they needed me to do. And so I was very confused talking to him about it. And he said, you know, Rebecca, you can't be sick on Mondays. And he made me sign a sick leave abuse policy. And then I cried. And then we did work photos. So that was fun. Oh, my gosh. I didn't hear the work photos end of that story. That's. I know. I thought wow. about that the other day. I hadn't told you that yet. Um, yeah, he came to me on portrait day when, you know, police departments do all their headshots and everyone dresses up in their class A uniforms. And I was all dressed up with my badge and all that stuff. And he's like, hey, before photos, let me talk to you really quick and make you cry. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) So nuts. But yeah, so. Just like so insensitive. But um, yeah, I'm like sad that it happened, but glad that the name of the podcast came out of this (laughs) wacky story and that we can laugh about it now. (laughs) Me too. I it's so funny because when we first talked about starting the podcast, 
this name kind of came up, but then it was like, no, 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 it doesn't fit. No, 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 no. And we were like, this might be the name of the podcast. (laughs) This might be it. So, so maybe we should tell a little bit about how the, how this pod has come to this point. So, oh, well, should we say, should we say how we met first? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Rebecca and I met on TikTok (laughs) um, of all places. We met on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we met on TikTok. We, um, which may become a segment at some point, um, if we have other folks on the pod who are also our friends from TikTok. Anyways, we met on TikTok through someone else's live, you know, video stream on the app, and then we met again because that person was hosting a Zoom, and then we started talking outside of the app eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we started talking in the app about, you were talking about law enforcement because I had made a post about survivors and mm-hmm. how we talk about survivorship and how we support survivors. And um, and then we you told me that you were in law enforcement and you were telling me all these things. And I was like, I that's a podcast. You. Yeah, I you came out, out to me. <laughs> I came out to you as former law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, came out to me as former law enforcement. Um, but I was like so fascinated with the, with what you were telling me, even just in the few messages that you sent. And I was like, oh yeah, you should tell your story. Like that could be a podcast. Like you need to like tell people about this. And then, and then something, there was another post or something that you messaged me about. And I believe I said it again, this should be a podcast. And you were like, do you want to just do it together? Yeah. (laughs) So... I was like, should we, should we do a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I think I lost you. A few moments later. Hi. Hello. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. I got a, got a call from the maintenance person because our fridge is busted. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they can't get someone to come out until Monday because the <gasps> rates are too high on the weekends. So. Oh. He has to drop off a mini fridge for us to use, <laughs> which is fine. But like, well, yeah. Anyways, uh, better we were than in nothing. the middle. <laughs> Ooh, I knew that was gonna happen too because he yeah. hadn't texted me yet, and then I was like, he's gonna just call right in yeah. the middle of of all of this. So of recording, he said he won't be here until like one ish. So, oh, okay. Well, that's not bad. Um, no, we have time. Yeah, and I'm sitting here like, oh, that's like five hours away, but really, that's not five hours away, is it? It's three hours, uh, oh, okay. two hours away. Two hours away. Yeah. See, so. I I know time time zones. We are in different time zones, by the way. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh my gosh, you're gonna get part of <laughs> when I send this to you. You're gonna get part of the recording of me <laughs> talking to the guy <laughs> on the other end of the phone. Oh my god. Maybe that'll make uh. it in the blooper reel. Like. great <laughs> i love it of course i love it so much so what were we talking about we were talking about how we met we met on tiktok and then i said should we do a podcast and you were totally down for it and i was shocked because we literally had only met over zoom and i think barely talked to each other i was probably super chaotic and you were probably thinking who is this crazy lady who's this chaos, agent of chaos, Um, and then why is she talking to me? (laughs) I would love to know your impressions of me, and then I'll tell you my impressions of you. 
Oh, okay. Bef- like before we like started talking about podcast stuff, like I want to know like what you were what you were thinking. Like cuz you messaged me and I was like, you know, we hadn't really talked much before at all really since like I saw you in the live, but like it's, mm-hmm. you know, comments passing by. So Yeah. Yeah. It's like Yeah, it's just me frantically texting to get something you know in that's funny or noticeable or right right which i did notice for sure oh well that's good <laughs> um when i first met you so i did not notice you in the live i noticed you at the zoom and i think cuz during the live there's a lot going on yeah that i tend to just like skim and scan you know we're both skimmers here we skim and scan and then leave <laughs> It's very true. We're done. Um, But in the Zoom, I forget what Zoom it was. I had been going to a couple of them. And then you showed up and you brought this different energy. And I was like, okay, whoever that is on TikTok, I need to follow them. And then we all like shared our handles. And I was like, ooh, okay, okay. You know, like there are several people. I, I mean, if you're listening to this and I didn't follow you, I am sorry. I do skim and forget how to write names. Um <laughs> I, I am sorry, but Samson was the one. I was like, Samson, Samson, Samson. Where is it? Samson. And so <laughs> I think it was like Samson and Yoshi. I was like, okay, where are they? Where oh, are yeah. They? Where are they? Oh, yeah. And Yoshi is someone to follow for sure. Uh, yeah. Follow Yoshi Stoner 69 on TikTok. <laughs> the best human on this planet. Absolutely. I love, I love her. She's in California right now, but I can't see her because she's like eight hours away because California is mm-hmm. giant. Yeah. Now everyone knows I live in California. Try. Try to stalk me. Try. Just try. <laughs> well, Former- we are going to kind of talk about where we are, and that'll come. That'll be important later, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I saw you. You had this energy and this calmness and this this vibe that I was just like, I need that person in my life even if it's just for a season even if it's just me watching their videos and enjoying the content and then you posted that survivor video and I was like I need to talk to this person now like I can't just be a fawning at a distance like you know I I need to be like okay who are you and maybe we should talk um because yes 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 and yes Um, And then I think from there, we've developed this kind of magical, interesting, funky friendship that is just, I I think it's beautiful. And Jeff thinks it's hilarious. Jeff is my husband, by the way. And he knows Samson. And I talk to Samson probably a little bit more than him right now. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, we're doing a pod, like we're doing a podcast, you know, my husband can sit on the back burner. (laughs) That's life. That's life. And honestly, that's like, to me, that's healthy. Like, you should be able to walk away for a little while because everybody needs, everybody needs the space, you know? Um, Agreed. Yeah. No, I love that. Okay. Yeah. So like, I, so I did notice, well, okay, I think maybe I noticed you in the Zoom and then made the connections of who you were in the live after Mm -hmm. I figured out your handle. So that probably makes more sense, like, (laughs) chronologically but so then yeah I guess I also felt like 
you are just a very cool person. I loved hearing you, your like witty jokes. Um, <laughs> and the like, like it's, you have like a, a feeling of sarcasm, but you're not usually being sarcastic. And I, it's like, it was like fascinating to me. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's like a vibe of, of sarcasm, but like you're very serious in the things that you say. Um, even when you're joking. So like, I don't know if that makes any fucking sense, but you know, oh, are we swearing on this podcast? You can swear. I don't mind. I mean, yes. It's, yeah. It's going to happen anyways. Okay. Um. <laughs> Cause I, I have not been thinking about it, so I don't know if I've been swearing. I don't think you have. I don't know. But anyways, um, let's see. I just had an ADHD moment. Um. Yeah, so then you messaged me, and, like, you, I think you maybe also commented on the video. Oh, maybe. Perhaps. I do that sometimes. You might have commented, but then when you messaged me, I was like, okay, this person, like, gets it. And I was a little shocked to hear that you were in law enforcement. And <laughs> and also, I was like, this is really bizarre, because I, like, I couldn't figure out the timeline of, like, when you had left law enforcement. And it was, like, not that long ago mm-hmm. <laughs> when you first messaged me. Yeah. So it still hasn't even been that long. So I was thinking this was, I was thinking this was years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not true. Um, this is, like, a very recent, like, departure of your life and, like, a very different path that you're now on. And so... You know, anyways, first, that's like, I kind of found that out later, but like first impressions, I was like, oh, this like, you know, older person than I am is um, telling me about this like life experience thing. And I'm like, wow, like so much like wealth of knowledge is like sitting in this person's brain right now that they like need to get out into the world. And also I was like, so then when you, when you message me and you're like, we should just do it together. I was like. I mean, I've been wanting to talk about this. So initially, we were going to just talk about law enforcement and policing. And I work in nonprofits, so, um, and I worked with survivors. So, you know, my connection to law enforcement is very different than um, the average person and definitely different than yours. Um, So, yeah, the, the idea of doing the podcast together was really interesting to me and I think you came into my life at like a very pivotal time where I was like I don't know what I'm doing with my life I really want to do things that I want to be doing I was really bitter I still am bitter (laughs) over my firing of my last job and and I think the 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 well definitely the events of 2020 the protesting um all that I've learned in the past year of law enforcement um, and the things that I'm learning from you, I mean, it was just like inspiring me to, to do something and to say something. And as a former, well, I guess I'm still an actor, but a former musical theater person. Um, I, yeah. I, He's uh, flipping I his hair, hair by the way. Yeah, <laughs> the non-existent <laughs> long hair that I don't have. Uh, as a musical theater person, um, I feel like I have a, a really good way of articulating my thoughts and like a podcast just feels like the right place to to share what I'm thinking. So, so yeah, when you messaged me, I'm, of course I was like, well, this could either go really good or really bad, but I had just a, like a gut instinct that it was the right move. 
and I feel people's energies really easily and I could tell that this was going to be a good partnership I don't know how I knew but it was just a gut (laughs) a gut feeling I don't know and so far so good so here we are (laughs) well and and just to kind of piggyback off of some of the things you were saying I had similar feelings as an older wiser person I don't know what I'm doing and I I met you at a pivotal point in my life too where I realized that I have been on the hamster wheel for a while and my husband and I we've done YouTube we've you know like it's it's kind of dead right now but we have some videos we want to put out this year and then I found TikTok and then I found people that it's like oh my gosh there's people who think like me who mm-hmm. talk like me and coming from 10 years in law enforcement I was kind of like I I was the odd one out you know I an activist within so to speak and which doesn't work by the way we're gonna talk about that in a different episode yeah yeah well that's how you described it to me was like I was an activist working on the inside and it and it wasn't what I wanted to be doing like it wasn't working and it was from from an outside perspective the way you were telling it to me it sounded like it was like crushing (laughs) just crushing because there was was no actual changes happening which is incredibly frustrating and to do that for 10 years like oh yeah damn like that's a lot yeah so just to provide a little bit more background I how far back do I go do I tell them I'm a child prodigy (laughs) just kidding yes you should (laughs) I think it's I that was a fascinating fact for me to hear and I think it gives so much context also tells a little bit about who you are as a person not that that's all that you are but like it definitely it informs a lot of who you are now and and you talked to me about um how you approach life in a much more fun and whimsical way probably because you know you were really an adult way before you were an adult so yes and that definitely tells me a lot about like how you approach life in general. So I think that's important information for the people to know about you. But the people. you share what you want to share. Yeah. Well, and we're not limiting this podcast just to people. You know, if your dog wants to listen or if you are an alien, please listen because we, we want everyone to hear this. Um, it's for all. <laughs> if you're an people. alien, take me. Me, me too. And Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> take the three of us. And the dog. You got to take my dog and yeah. and Rebecca's cat. No, you can leave the cats. <laughs> <laughs> I love them, but leave them. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> Let's hope they never hear our podcast. They're sitting in here listening to me record oh, right no. now. Oh, no. They just, they just walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I got the oh timing of it all. <laughs> they probably just got thirsty, and I'm thinking they heard me and understood English. You know, cats cats do though. They they get it. I I, I mean, we have a cat here. It's not my cat. It's my roommate's. But she she knows stuff. She yeah. understands what I'm saying, which is <laughs> a little disturbing. But it is. I I read somewhere that cats can understand 250 words like understand and know and then dogs understand about 110 words and i'm sitting there like 250 words that's like 
that's like an 18 month old child right like that's <laughs> that's freaky you know? I know our cats are wow. bizarro land, but you know, like a hundred of those words are just their name and nicknames for their name. Like that's <laughs> that's true. That's true. They do get a lot like, of nicknames. I know. Oh my gosh, this has turned into a pod about cats. A podcast. <laughs> oh no! Don't do that. <laughs> I'll take that out. That that'll go in the blooper reel. Um, okay, so a little bit about me. I am currently 33 years old. I will be 34 later this year. Um, I can't think right now. When's my birthday? December something. So when I was a child, I was smart. And I didn't know how smart I was because I just thought everyone was as smart as me. And then I would get frustrated when they were normal children. Um, And so... (laughs) sounds so bad but it's so true and anyway so when I was a teenager I think I was about like 13 or 14 I told my parents that I was going to graduate high school early and start college and get that all done with because I just didn't really want to deal with school anymore and they were like sure yeah do what you want and so um I in my 10th grade year after the first half of the year, because they don't have semesters, right? It's like a full year of school. After the fall semester, so to speak, I did the rest of 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade between January and May on my own. And I did, yeah, I, I was in a charter school. And so I did the research on all the curriculum and units I'd need. I went to a junior college, so I'd get double credits towards my high school career actually don't know if it's called a career I just called it that no I've heard it called that before yeah and it's like it's four years of your life don't call it a career like it already it sets you up for for not understanding Mm. what careers are like (laughs) Mm. interesting yeah Yeah, and college career like college is not a career either wow fascinating Hmm. yeah even though I was smart and ambitious and all these things I took um there's this state proficiency test that you could take to graduate high school early without doing all of the schoolwork and I took that test twice and failed it oh yeah and I took it at 14 and I took it at the beginning of my school year when I was 15 and that's when I had the the idea of oh I'll just do all the work because if I can't pass this weird rigged test because you know in my mind my narcissistic brain I was like this test is rigged I'm not bad at this test. The test is bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes they are bad, though. Like, I don't think you're that far off. Yeah, I I mean, and I don't know. I I could not pass the California State Proficiency Test, but I could do all the schoolwork of three years in four months. Like, it's very weird to me, or five months, or however much it is. So I'm 15. I'm graduated high school. I'm in college. And I do the whole college thing, and it was, it was really easy. Um, it was super easy, <laughs> and I hate to say that, but I also was like, in a really tiny um, program that was. It was called Hutchins. If you're a fellow Hutchie, you know, shout out. Don't talk to me though. I, I don't want to be friends. <laughs> like, oh damn! <laughs> it's like I'm such like a 
when I was in college, I was working full time. And so I was doing like 18 units and working 40 hour work weeks and, and as much overtime as I possibly could do. And what I was working at is I was an answering service operator, which some people would be like, oh my God, that must have been so much fun, like sex phone operator. And it's like, well, no, I was like answering like the plumbing emergency line and like the doctor's office line and, and uh, tow trucks, you know, like all that stuff. Do people jump? Do people jump to sex phone line, like, operator? Like, I just, that, to me, I, that was not my first guess. (laughs) I was also thinking that you were taking, like, the, you know, plumber calls. Like, I, whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm not like most people. This is why we understand each other. Because you don't jump to, like, oh, you were a sex phone line worker. No offense, you know, if you were. Like, if that made you the money that you needed to make awesome oh sex work is real work honestly sex work is real work we do not discriminate here against sex workers obviously because i work for survive we both are supporters of survivors and yep. um survivorship and sex work are very much in the same camp of um things that need to be fought for in this country anyways yes. we can <laughs> i digress <laughs> um you are oh, yeah. a phone operator <laughs> i was I burped and it picked it up. I don't know if you heard mm, that, but that was cute. pretty incredible. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I promise. Oh, you can if you um, won't. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just, I'm gross. I'm a nasty woman. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> um, no, I mean, humans are gross in general, you know? We they, are. We have bodily functions and they're... Or maybe am, it's all normal and we've just decided that it's gross for no apparent reason. And uh, It's a social construct being society gross. Society sucks. <laughs> Society's yeah. gross, maybe. I don't know. I love that word gross, though. Like, you've had to hear that out of my mouth maybe eight million times this last you week. You really do love that word. Gross. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that, actually. <laughs> I use it to describe everything. Um... <laughs> So where did I leave off? Okay, so fellow Hutchies, you know, go see wolves, but don't talk to me. Um, anyways, I guess that you can. I just, college was weird for me. It was easy, and I hated it, and I just did it to get a degree because I thought that's what it meant. You know, like, you just do it, you get a degree, and I was working full-time. I was burnout. I was it was bad. And by the time I was 20, I graduated with my bachelor's. I had intended to go into teaching, uh, like teaching children, me teaching children. You say that like that is a bad thing. (laughs) Um, I was just like, I don't think I can teach kids. I, I don't think I can do this. And that sent me into a little bit of a existential crisis because you know I'm 19 and questioning all my life choices for my 5 10 15 year plan that I planned out since I was 12 um you know which if you're 12 and you're listening to this don't map your life out you don't know what's gonna happen I yeah so I uh, sorry I'll just jump in real quick I I I feel like I also kind of not at 12 but maybe at like 14 kind of did the same thing and I you know did not graduate early by any means but well I finished college on time technically when I even though I took a semester off in the middle I still 
graduated I had to take like two summer courses but they were online and I didn't really feel like I was in college anymore and I just I think I just barely passed both of them with a C but anyways doesn't matter point being I I thought I was going to be an actor for my whole life and my dad and I had dreams where we would you know we would be in the car and we would talk about like okay so you're gonna go do these community theater shows you'll go to college you'll do musical theater um maybe you'll go to NYU you'll get on Broadway and then once you're done with Broadway you can get on to Law and Order and um everybody who's on Law and Order especially if they're just a guest they will go on to do something really incredible and so you'll go do like a uh um, you know, a movie here and there, and then maybe you'll get booked onto a show like Friends that is on for years, and then you'll be set for life. And like that was yeah. the goal. That was like the whole dream. And it's like the dream. Um, went to college, had a mental breakdown. Haven't done a single musical since I've graduated. I've still <laughs> acted and stuff, but like it's just funny to me that that was the dream, and I am nowhere near where that dream was. And I'm okay with it. Like, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but it definitely was, like, earth-shattering to, like, realize, wow, I just spent all this time and energy throughout my, like, half of my childhood and into my early adulthood, like, preparing for this big thing and this, like, journey. Yeah. And I'm, like, not even close. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm glad. I love what I'm doing right now. But um, it is funny. And I'm glad I still did it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a regret, but it is, it definitely is setting up for some very harsh realizations later in life that are a lot to handle as a young adult. Anyways, yeah. continue. Well, and it, it just goes to show that we, we grew up in a time where understanding your dreams and passions were pushed into make it a career. Yep. And... I mean, like, I've told you this, like, I, when I was five, they ask you in kindergarten to draw what you're going to be when you grow up. And, you know, some kids draw a policeman or fireman or astronaut. I drew myself washing skyscraper windows and I drew myself on the little scaffolding with like the little squeegee. And I was like, I am going to wash skyscraper windows. And I was five. Like, who wants that? But, you know, I, I didn't grow up to do that. There's still time. I mean, I am afraid of heights and I have really severe vertigo, but there's still time I might be able to do it at some point. I don't know if that's safe to do it with vertigo, but like you do you. I mean, maybe we can make that happen someday. Uh, when this podcast blows up and we have a million dollars, we'll, you know make a whole video uh, for YouTube of you preparing to be a skyscraper window cleaner. I know. It just seems like the dream job, though. Like, if you really think about it, you're outside. You're getting that satisfaction of, like, cleaning something dirty. You get to see the best parts of the city you're in. It, It just seems perfect. And you can't wash windows when it's storming. So you're literally only up there when it's the best weather. And... But do you not make money on the days that you are not washing windows? Like, what happens? Well, on those days, you have to do your other job, which is, you know, in my mind was a shark handler. So right, if right. I couldn't be a window washer, so I'd be handling sharks on <laughs> stormy days. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Good. I think that's logical. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, just similar, so, similar, so um, 
what did I say? I, oh, yeah, I, I called you an adrenaline junkie, right, at, a fi- yeah. at five years old. Yes, yes. Um, seeking that rush for both of those terrifying jobs. I know. Well, and it's like in the picture I drew, I'm sure I could find it somewhere. My mom probably kept it or not. I mean, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But I drew me holding a shark over my head as if that's what shark handlers do. <laughs> like, like I was this very strong person apparently in my head where I could hold a giant shark over my head and be like, I'm handling this shark. I'm not feeding it. <laughs> I'm not cleaning it. It's whatever. It's habitat. I'm just holding it over my head for all to see. And that's how I make my money. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I wish. I freaking wish. I wish that's how Me too. life worked. <laughs> I wonder how much a shark actually weighs. I should have looked this up so I could be like a shark weighs whatever Should we? amount. We, we could. Yeah. Could you Google that? <laughs> I also wanted to talk about, um, you mentioned that in college – you had to take like a little break. I, I did too. So this is coming from child prodigy who was overly ambitious. I took a semester off and everyone was like, don't do it. Don't take that semester off. You'll never go back. Mm. And of course I took that as like, Oh, just you wait, I will go back. Like just you wait. But I still took it off because my mental health, I, I needed a break. And instead of taking a break from work and just worrying about school and fun, I decided to take a break from school and fun and work harder. Yes, because that will prevent the burnout. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's like a big, a big underlying subtext for this podcast is, Mm -hmm. is the standard we have for work and the standard we have for ourselves and our workplaces. And you know, one of the things we're going to talk about, too, is my history in law enforcement and the workplace culture that is cultivated there. I guess I haven't even gotten to... Oh, wait. Do you know how much a shark weighs? Yes, it weighs... Um, so a great white shark, which is 23 feet long, is yeah. uh, 5,000 pounds. Whoa. Or wow. 2,270 kilograms, if you're if you're that kind of person. Um, yeah, the metric system. Yes, there there are many more um, types of sharks, obviously, <laughs> um, and they all are various different weights, but that, I think, is the largest one. Um, the next, wow. I think, is the, what is this? The Megamouth shark, which is 18 feet. That's 2,680 pounds. So, yeah, if you could lift a shark like that, I would be very impressed. <laughs> I haven't tried, but I mean, I I can carry groceries up my stairs, so I'm pretty strong. That, <laughs> uh, one trip, one trip. There's only one trip. We don't do more than one. You have to carry them in no. one. Jeff does the extra trips. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> when he wakes up, tell him, yes. tell him I have, a, I have words for him. You have words? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You, you do it all in one. You can there it has to be efficient. You have to just do it and it's like that might be your only form of exercise that day. So you might as well just like go for it, you know? Go hard. Go, go hard. hard. All or nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he's always impressed because when I order groceries delivered, I I magically can carry all of them up the stairs, but when we go grocery shop, I can only carry like 3 bags. 
<laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, I guess I just feel weaker from shopping. Uh, that is a real thing. I eventually, I think we'll have to talk about shopping because, I, and we don't have to yeah. do it today. But I have a lot. I have a lot of issues around shopping. I, it, yeah. Ugh. Anyways, grocery stores, shopping at the mall. I'm exhausted by the end of that. It's a trip. Yeah. But that's also probably ADHD or just like something. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just me. I don't know. It can't be just me. I made a post on TikTok about it and so many people commented. It's not just me. I know that. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's not just you. It is exhausting. However, little sidebar to this whole mall talk and we'll talk about it more. My dream, like literally, I think about this all the time. I would love to work at a mall. Like, I I don't know in what capacity, but like Jeff always teases like that I'd be a mall cop. I was just <laughs> thinking that. I'm like, you're going to be a mall cop. That's clearly what it I is. I know. I would be Paul Blart. I, I would totally do it. <laughs> but like, there is something in my mind, and this is like that childhood whimsy you were talking about, working at a mall, I... I literally could do anything all day, right? I mean, I do my job and maybe it's a five hour a day job and then I can go get a soft pretzel. I can get like a C's candy. I can do my shopping. I can get like a t-shirt if I want to. Like it's the best place. It's like, it's like everything you need. Do you need headphones? Here, go to the Radio Shack if that's still a thing. Obviously I haven't been to a mall in a while. Radio Shack died like five years ago at least you know it's just the things I don't keep in my head (laughs) so anyways I graduate in what year was it 2009 I graduated college and like college college and um in 2010 I got a job as a dispatcher a 911 dispatcher that was interesting and you know um instead of me having like a full-blown nervous breakdown in my life i decided i'll just go work for the government and see how that pans out (laughs) what a choice what a choice honestly i was like I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. Let me go work for the government and see, you know, like I'm totally burnt out from college. I'm totally burnt out working for the government. That'll be cush. Like that, that won't stress I mean, me out. Good benefits. Oh, let me work for 911. Yeah. As if that is not going to, you know, help with the trauma or anything. No, it, no. Yeah. And we can go more into that, you know, and, and also if you're listening and you have questions about any aspect of what I've worked in. Send your questions. We'll we'll get to them. Absolutely. But yeah, I did dispatch for like six months. And then my captain came to me and he was like, hey, you have a college education? And I was like, yeah. He goes, um, we need a records person to approve reports and they need to be smart. So can you come do this for us? <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I applied to be a dispatcher. I, I guess I could help out. And he's like, yeah, you can help out. Well, so I started doing records uh, interim until they could hire someone. As I was doing it, apparently I did so well that they were like, hey, do you want to promote into this job? And so I called because I said, well, let me talk to my dispatch manager because I, 
in my mind as like I picked my career I can't just like change it right right you know it's such a weird mindset now that I think of it but it's so like ingrained in us to pick something and never change Mm -hmm. and you know like we're not complex humans we're we're single-minded one path people right well that's what capitalism wants us to believe at least yeah so I called my dispatch manager and I go, hey, they're offering me this job. And before I could finish, she's like, take it, take it, take it. If you can get out of dispatch this early in your career, take it, get out of here. And I was kind of like, part of me was like, well, am I just like not doing good in dispatch? Because, you know, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, am I not doing good and they don't want me there? So I asked her that because I can't not confront people. And so I was like do you guys not want me back? And she goes, no, you're, you're good. You're learning it you know, all this stuff, but you'll have weekends off. You'll have holidays off. Your work-life balance will be better. It's something we all hope for. And Mm. I kind of sat there and it was the first time any grown person said that word work-life balance to me. Mm. And this will come into play later. So I became a records person, which I'm not going to go into all the nitty gritty details, but I was good at it. Um, we had a, a sheriff. A sheriff is an elected position in the state of California. I don't know if it is in every state. This was all happening during an election year. And so the sheriff I was hired under was campaigning against a deputy who who basically was saying that the department I worked for was racist and sexist and you know that was his whole campaign platform that he was going to clean the swamp so to speak Uh. and um yeah and it's very interesting because jeff and i really compare the sheriff um the sheriff who got elected and came in during like my first year of working there we compare him to donald trump a lot um because it was a lot of like flash in the pan the right things were said but everything that was done was heinous Mm. and i was i was very sick working for him my stress was really really bad he asked me to do something illegal and i refused you know and we can talk about that more yeah yeah this is our first episode yeah so from there i was like i need to get out of here and all of the people who I was working for, they were leaving, like they were jumping ship because of this. And so I was like, well, maybe this is the writing on the wall, so to speak. So as I was looking for other work, I uh, was called by an old sergeant of mine. And he said, hey, do you want to be a probation officer? I was like, I don't, I don't think I can arrest someone. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. And he goes, oh, no, you are, like, totally cop material. <laughs> Which, like, what like, a thing to say to someone. <laughs> I know. And I was like, well, if you think I'd be good at it. And he goes, yeah, you have a degree, and it's required for probation officers. And I'm like, oh, okay, here's the degree thing again. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, I'll apply. We'll see if I qualify. Looking back on it now, I'm pretty sure I only got that job. I mean, I qualified, yes, but I was severely overweight. I didn't want a gun. Um, so I was doing court report writing, you know, like I wasn't doing the police stuff. I mean, I, I had to do interviews that, you know, like I had to do a couple of those things, but I wasn't like chasing people down or right. going into people's houses. But I'm pretty sure I got that job because 
they wanted me to have that job. Mm. You know, it, it wasn't that I was the best candidate or anything like that. Um, so that was kind of like a taste of of good old boys, and it mm-hmm. tastes bad. Mm-hmm. It tastes really bad. So while I was a probation officer, I loved it, actually, while I was doing it. Looking back, probation is not like law enforcement. Um, what I did was more community service and social services and that's what supervision is you know you're taking people out of a system and trying to set them up for success outside of that system and I liked that I I thought that was really fun and I have a I have stories of course but while I was there an opportunity came up to be a records director at a local police department And I had all this records experience under my belt. I was good at it. And I kind of thought, well, that'll accelerate my career. You know, the whole career mindset, accelerate, accelerate, get as high as you can, as fast as you can. Don't worry about the burnout. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about any of it. And so I applied and I got it. And I was there for six years. It was good and bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I dealt with you know, the, the sick leave, sick leave abuse, Mm -hmm. the um, abuse, but not abuse. I dealt with having to go through the worst health experiences of my life because, you know, magically I have genetic disorders (laughs) that normally wouldn't show up in people until they were 60, Mm. but they showed up in me when I was 23 or I'm sorry, 26. Yeah. So it, something about that environment accelerated my genetic disorders to create the health issues I have now. And that's super fun. (laughs) It's just like, uh. I would love to have someone in the medical field on our podcast who knows about genetic disorders and the, the, that idea of environment and environmental stress causing uh, accelerated mm-hmm. rates of illness like that that is fascinating to me if anybody out there wants to talk about it definitely <laughs> want you on the podcast because that is a whole that is a whole thing that obviously exists it wouldn't have happened to you if I I, I mean I don't know how you feel about it but to me it sounds like I, it wouldn't have happened if you weren't in that environment and if that and and potentially it was building up given the amount of stress that you had since like graduating high school and going into college and like that whole mm-hmm. continual stress happening and then, my lifestyle yeah. yeah so yeah well and and it's so true because I obviously I have a care team like if if you want to know I have a liver specialist a kidney specialist a urologist a primary care and a GI doctor because every aspect of my body is fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucked up so good, though. Like, (laughs) so, but I had met with uh, my nephrologist, which is my chemical kidney doctor. My urologist is like the the one who examines the stones and the, the urine and all of that stuff. But the nephrologist examines the chemicals in my kidneys and why my kidneys do what they do and why they don't do what they don't do. And she was the first one to kind of bring up like, Hey, I think you need to look into different work. Um, 
because what you do is stressful Mm -hmm. even if you're used to the stress your body is not responding well to it even if your mind is and it's like oh because I didn't even think I was stressed like I didn't think I was stressed (laughs) and then once I left it it was like holy shit this is what like living life feels like like oh my god and that's a real thing too like the the idea of like I like I've been in stress for so long that I don't know what else to expect and so this is just normal like your baseline was like all the way up to like level eight for and and for normal people that would have been like too much like a lot of people tap out at that level of stress but like it was your baseline so Mm -hmm. yeah well and my baseline my threshold was so high because I was an overachiever and I managed my stress very well and my time very well. And then when I went into a dispatching job, they train you how to handle your stress. They yep. train you how to handle your nervousness. And so with that training, I was coasting with mm-hmm. my stress, mm-hmm. not knowing that it still gives you adrenaline dumps. It still gives you body aches. It's still, you know, stress does things to your body, whether you feel it in your heart or head like it Mm -hmm. it does things to you you know it's Jeff and I were just talking about this the other day where he mentioned that he has worry you know he he worries about something and, and it's always there and then when the worry went away he worried about why he wasn't worrying about it amazing and I feel like I feel like that was me you know, yeah. I, I was so hyper-focused on these health issues I was worrying about that when I stopped worrying about that to focus on, like, maybe I need to change my career, I started worrying about, wait, now I'm not stressed about this. Oh, now I'm not, you know, I, I should be heightened all mm-hmm. the time, right, mm-hmm. to, to survive, it's like, well, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. Like, I want to just live live and be alive and well, or as well as I can be. I mean, I'm not greedy. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not asking for perfection. I just, you know, telling the universe, like, I'm not a greedy bitch. Like, so. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and so... In, in the systems I was working for, in the systems I was working in, I developed a lot of weird habits when it comes to work-life balance. I developed a PTSD when it comes to health and wellness, like, mm-hmm. you know, things where it should be like, oh, you're sick? Sure, lay down and rest. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm home. I should do this 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 and this Mm -hmm. and this since I'm home and it's like but my body's sick if I was well enough to do this this this, and this and this I could go to work okay I might as well go to work like you know it's just like this weird mental gymnastics that I learned and that I'm unlearning too it's it's a process but yeah so when Samson and I first started having our podcast meetings it was initially just about the systems, just about law enforcement, just about um, how the policies in play, they don't help 
the people who need the service yeah. and they don't help the people who uphold the the program you know and so that was our initial conversations and we will still talk about those things but it kind of morphed into more because again we are not single-minded one-lane individuals you know we are organic beings who are complex and have so much you know going on yeah and i and in that discovering of like this new uh or like this different route that we're taking with the podcast i was feeling before we realized that i was feeling kind of stuck a little bit because i don't have as much experience as you obviously i guess i could talk about myself now (laughs) who am i yeah Um, sorry (laughs) no 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 i was enjoying hearing your story and i think that's like why we're doing this right we're like telling about who we are and how we got here so all of that was important to share I, so I am 24, going to be 25 this year. Um, So I guess you might consider me a Gen Z. Um, uh, Who knows? It's very complicated. 1996 is a weird year to be born. (laughs) But (laughs) regardless, I'm in Maine, so I'm on the other side of the country. I, like I had mentioned earlier, I went to school for musical theater. Um, I grew up in New York. Um, I was really planning on being, you know, this Broadway actor, singer. Um, my family was already in the arts. My dad was a band teacher. He was my band teacher, which having a parent as a teacher is a fun (laughs) thing. It's, it's an interesting experience. Well, I was homeschooled. (laughs) Yeah. So like just a, (laughs) for a couple years, just a very different, uh, very different vibe for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, so that happened. My mom, my mom was um, in community theater, so I was going to rehearsals when I was like a baby. You know, I was like a toddler sitting on the the floor of the theater watching my mom perform her her rehearsals. You know, and going to shows and being backstage. It was like already around it. I like basically had no choice but to be in in the arts in some way, given the the circumstances. So. Uh, my mom's also in a bunch of bands. She's a very cool person. Um, so is my dad. They're both they're both cool musician people, um, cool artists. And yeah, so I so I went to school for musical theater. Um, and then halfway through, I so I transferred at one point. And then that second semester of being at the school, I kind of just was burnt out. And looking back, I'm realizing that it was co- probably a combination of a few things. So I had undiagnosed ADHD my whole life, didn't realize it until like literally a few months ago. And finding that out has been life-changing. So I talk about it a lot because it's a new thing that I'm still learning about with myself. Um, I'm sure I will talk about it more at some point on the podcast, but so that's important to know. And I, I think also on top of the burnout from not understanding my how my brain works and trying to fit into this like really normative way of thinking and and normative way of doing things, especially in higher education, like not helpful. And then also I was having a gender crisis. So I'm trans. I came out as a trans man in 2017. Um, So I was like having just this overwhelm of like, I also like didn't know if I was going to do theater at that point too. I was like, I don't think that this is for me anymore um, because the, the, idea of being trans and in theater especially in like stage performance is very 
it was not talked about. I didn't know if it was even a possibility for me. Honestly, if it wasn't for my friend who was also trans who came out around the same time that I did, I don't know if I would have continued. But um, I ended up going back to school. I like had this big mental breakdown, took a semester off, went back to school, just didn't want to be there anymore. So I pushed myself to graduate, like, quote, on time. Um, and everybody kept telling me there's no timeline. You can do it your, you know, you can do it at your own pace, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't want to graduate with this next class of people. Like, I want to graduate with my class. I want to get out of here. I want to start my life. I don't want to be in school anymore. Hated it. Left. Uh, went home for a little while and then did a play in New York City, lived with my sister for a couple months. Um, and then I went on tour with a a consent education and violence prevention organization called Speak About It. Um, they travel across the country and perform these uh, shows. It's performance-based education um, about healthy relationships, boundaries, consent, um, sexual assault prevention, survivorship, um, how to support survivors, how to be uh, an active bystander, all of these things. We do an hour-long performance at colleges usually, and then throughout the school year, um, you can continually be uh be hired to do um work in high schools as well so i was doing that um in 2018 at the end of that year and um i loved it i fell in love with that form of education i felt like i was and it's like okay so it's funny because my dad always said like you know do you ever want to be a teacher someday like i like i don't know if he knew that i would be good at it or if he just like saw like was like I'm a teacher so like I like you should look into getting an mm -hmm. education degree or something or whatever or like you know a lot of times when you're an actor and like you end up not doing being six quote being successful people fall back on teaching so you know there's that um yeah I don't always can I that, say something yeah go ahead I just think it's so funny that I I went to college to be a teacher right. and I was like, oh, hell no, once I left. And then you went to college to be in theater and acting and then now you're in education. Yeah, yeah. And I just think it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you <laughs> yeah. were talking about that earlier, I was also thinking the same thing. I didn't want to interrupt because you were on a roll. But but yes, I, I think it is very, yeah. I don't know, not ironic, but just coincidental that we're both kind of on these like op well, not opposite trajectories, but kind of like weird, like crossing of of that that intersection of educating is just very fascinating. Um, and I yes. and I like I love educating, and I also don't know if I I'm not def I'm definitely not the person who's going to sit in a classroom. Like I, my education is very much not within the education system. And to be honest, I almost. When I was in college, I was like, maybe I should switch my major to education reform, like to do education reform, because I hated college. I hated the system. I felt like it was pushing against me constantly, and like, I didn't love uh, the way that it was, and saw all these barriers for as to that were um, preventing people from even being in school in the first place, but then also just preventing people from being successful yeah. and following their actual dreams. And I was like, that should not be the case at all because I was told my whole life that A, college was gonna be the best four years of your life. It, it definitely was not. And B, it yeah. was going to, you know, it, it was going to be what's jumpstarting you into the rest of your life. And like, you're supposed to follow your career after this. And like, there's that word again, career. And it's like, 
career. I don't know what the fuck my career is right now. Um, it's very different from what I expected. And like, you know, falling into education was a blessing. Um, after I were to speak about it, I went back home for a little while. I did retail for a short period of time, saved a bunch of money, and eventually moved back to Portland, which is where the training for Speak About It was. I fell in love with the city. I met a lot of great friends here. And they basically were like, hey, if you like lived closer, we might be able to give you more work, um, which is like kind of what ended up happening, you know, because um, during the school year, they do more stuff in New England than they do in other parts of the country. So, um, yeah, so I, I started working with them a little bit more. I got a nonprofit job um, as an admin assistant. I was terrible at it. Um, looking back, I realized it was definitely the ADHD <laughs> and I was getting anxiety from not performing, you know, quote, performing Aww. well. Um, and, you know, felt like I was doing really just a bad job and I was so anxious all the time thinking that my boss, like, was either going to fire me because I wasn't doing well or just, like, didn't like me. And, like, that wasn't really the case. He was a very kind person and I was the rejection sensitivity that a lot of people with ADHD feel like was overwhelming. And if you don't know what that means, it's basically, like, yeah. you assume that everybody hates you or you assume that people are mad at you or you assume that someone's going to reject you um based on like little things that you perceive that they are doing like uh for a lot of my life I perceived anytime my parents were upset as they were upset with me like it must be my fault and like sometimes people are just uh, in a mood right so when you're in a workspace yeah. and your boss seems stressed out you assume oh it must be me I have to fix this it's my fault like it I have to do something about it and so he was a very kind man and I was like stressed constantly that he was upset with me and he just was like he's just like that's his vibe like he's just chill he was you know the executive director of a of a nonprofit that was you know in the midst of um uh, I was coming in when we were doing our annual appeal, which was a very stressful time because um, they still send out handwritten, not handwritten, but like letters to people with handwritten notes from board members yeah. and from the executive and all these things. And it was like, you know, I was in the midst of doing all that stuff. So I was only there for about five months. And then I saw this position at a nonprofit that helps survivors of sexual assault. And I applied for that education position. Um, because I had all this experience in education with Speak About It, and um, I saw it as this great opportunity to do more work for survivors in this field that I was really passionate about. And, you know, also the nonprofit job where I was doing admin work, I was very jealous of the educators who were in that job. They, they were, um, they did violence prevention as well, and it was specifically um, my, violence perpetuated by men, against women um but they were they've since expanded their their mission um so now it's violence prevention male perpetuated violence um against all genders and then also uh perpetuated against themselves so um mm. yeah it's it's a really good um really good organization i don't know if i should name them or not should i i think it's a great organization because people might hear this and be like, oh, I need that help. Yeah, yeah. So um, the organization's called Maine Boys to Men. Uh, Boys to Men, people probably know that. <laughs> um, but Maine Boys to Men is like the chapter in Maine. And they're becoming this um, large, uh, they're going to be becoming like a more of a national training kind of organization where they, they give their curriculum out to people um, and train them and help teachers be, uh, uh, help teachers 
share this information in their classrooms and it's very exciting they're doing really amazing work they already have done so much for the communities in maine um, and i am really excited to see what they do beyond maine as well so that's very exciting but um so I worked there for a while. I was very jealous of the, the educators there. I really wanted to be doing their work. I hated being an admin. Uh -huh. I'm not a spreadsheet person, really. I don't, I yeah, I was not good at Excel. <laughs> and I was forgetting things all the time and I was not organized. And so I, I left and it was on good terms, really. Like they, my boss was like, I'll still give you a recommendation for this other position. Um, so I started working at um, uh, this other place in education, um, supporting survivors, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> um, and it shifted from, I literally only taught one class. Um, we did personal body safety in elementary school um, for kindergarten to sixth grade, and then, um, you know, consent uh, education, healthy relationships education, um, gender stereotypes. Um, all this stuff in like middle school and high school. And I didn't get to do much of any of it. I did one, uh, we also did a puppet show for the little kids um, for like kindergarten to third grade. And that was our like way of educating them. It was very fun. I got to still use my performance skills. Um, I did one of those days of teaching. And then uh, that, it was on a Friday. And then that following Monday, um, everything shut down. And we had to take all of our stuff out of the office and work from home. So... We shifted, yeah, we couldn't teach anymore in schools, so we shifted all of our curriculum to start, um, uh, we started to create curriculum for teachers to share in their classrooms. So kind of what Maine Boys to Men is starting to do, but um, just specifically for our county that we serve. And then I also was on a helpline, so I was taking calls uh, for, for survivors and people who support, support survivors and getting them resources or, you know, giving them emotional support. So. I was doing all of that work and then um and then in november i was fired um <laughs> and that's a whole story and a half oh. that we can get into at some point um in the future but it was a it was a very toxic work environment it still is um mm -hmm. since i was fired in november in in 2021 alone uh, i believe five or six people have quit and this, and there was already people who had been fired before and after me. So the whole system is really kind of falling apart over there. And it's nonprofit culture is not fun. It's um, really, it's really uh, steeped in white supremacy culture. And um, we'll talk about white supremacy culture characteristics at some point on the podcast. But it's it's steeped in it. And even yes. though they say it's you know non for profit. It's all driven by money. It's all driven by capitalism. Grant money is what drives everything. And they like to use the excuse of like, well, we're tied to these grants, so we can't do X, Y, or Z because, you know, we don't have the funding for this or we don't have the funding for that or we can't change right. can't change the the parameters of our grant money to be able to do the things we want to do. And it to be working in that environment during the protests for George Floyd's murder was eye-opening because they weren't willing to change. They weren't willing to change. And they're so tied to law enforcement um, because the way that we support, quote, support mm -hmm. survivors is by sending them through the justice system that oftentimes uh, doesn't doesn't support them, doesn't, uh, you know, get uh, catch their perpetrator. Uh, and even if they do- Re-victimize. Yeah, re-victimize. Um, and even if they do go into court, um, they, they aren't, 
um, perpetrator. They, the perpetrator isn't convicted, and then um, it leads the survivor with more trauma and doesn't hold anybody yeah. accountable. And and law enforcement is not trained to work with survivors in any way, shape, or form. And and we've done training. Uh, the places that I've worked have trained with law enforcement, and they still don't do what they're supposed to do. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all of that to say, um, <laughs> uh, I worked also with Speak About It on a part-time basis during the pandemic because things shifted for them as well, and I was doing a lot of online education for colleges, and the pandemic has really shifted um, the work that I want to be doing because the way that we're approaching things, especially during this time, is not not working it's just not working the systems mm-hmm. are designed to do exactly what they are supposed to do and uh you know the history of sexual assault organizations is steeped in a lot of feminism white feminism that is not supportive of all survivors it's based in cis women uh as a trans person yes. it's very complicated um i you know mm-hmm. as a white trans person who transitioned from uh you know, socialized as a woman to, you know, my actual identity as a man, it's like, it's, it's, uh, it is complicated. (laughs) Um, It's complicated to be in that space because it's still so centered around cis women. And I'm like, you, there are survivors of all different genders and, and perpetrators of all different genders. And it's all a construct anyways, but, um, the yeah that uh, that's for another time but um the 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 feelings that i have in this industry has like or this you know mission um it doesn't feel like an if i want to say it's an industry but it's hard to say that when it's a nonprofit you know um because it's not uh it's not the same as like you know an industry like um like fashion industry or something you know what i mean it's a very different right right uh word but yeah so um now i'm volunteering a lot more now that i'm being paid by the state of maine um (laughs) on unemployment um (laughs) to i'm volunteering a lot more and i volunteer with a great organization called maine transnet they're the only organization in maine that serves trans people um and they do really incredible work and i've been really fortunate to do work with both the youth programming and the adult programming um, supporting trans survivors and also incorporating art in into the you know healing of the survivor um, which has been really amazing and um and it's really i love them because they're they are firmly anti-capitalist um they have extensive policies on our interactions with police because they know that police don't support trans people and are often really transphobic and even the good the quote good ones Uh like don't they're not trained and competent in trans issues and um so it's we there's ignorance there yeah yeah absolutely and so we have a firm anti-police uh, policy as well and they're very much the last <laughs> resort if we can and and i love main trans that because their their community support is so it's not even revolutionary because it's these the way that community is built has been around since way before america was even around um and mm-hmm. you know i i like to acknowledge the the work of or the the culture that we as white people have 
squashed of indigenous people and how the tribal community was so it's so inspiring and um and it's definitely where we pull our current sense of community now um from which not to appropriate because you have to acknowledge it but and it's definitely not the same by any means but it's it's a Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that i look to for um supporting my fellow community members especially survivors restorative justice practices is something that i'm really interested in and have don't have enough experience in and and want to to shift our focus to um, when we support survivors so anyways i'm kind of going on a tangent and not talking about like me as much but and more of my philosophies (laughs) but um yeah this is kind of where i'm at now of of um figuring out how to continue like the things that i believe in without feeding into the systems that are not helpful to the majority of the people that I uh, want to be helping and that um, majority of the people that need the resources even more, um, not, I want to, I don't even want to say even more, I want to say like equally as the people that currently get the most support in our systems, you know? Um, Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Is there anything else that I should say? I don't even know. Do we want to move into a little bit more specifically as to why we're doing the podcast yeah (laughs) but yeah so my why is to start a dialogue with community about the broken system that law enforcement is um, a part of uh, upholds and suffers under i want to bring solutions to the forefront of people's minds i want to bring humanity back to the consciousness of both the police and the communities they supposedly protect and serve Um, And by that, I mean, you know, I I don't like want to humanize the police necessarily in in the way that the campaigns um, for police humanizing has. (laughs) I I mean that more in the sense that like these are real people that are that are, um, you know, people we need to hold accountable in a system that is harmful. And also, you know, they're also suffering in a lot of ways in this in this industry. And, you know, I'm excited to get into that part of things. I want to bring uh, my outside perspective and Rebecca's inside perspective to the airwaves as a breeding ground for future dialogue and potentially community action and change. I hope to inspire others to think critically about their own perceptions and ideas around community accountability, justice, um, justice, crime and punishment, and effective action for harm reduction and violence prevention. Um, I listen to podcasts to learn and be inspired, so I hope to um, fill other folks with a sense of energy towards change and the outside, um, change on the outside or change within the self. And um, I want to be the voice that someone hears and says, wow, I could do this too, or like, wow, I didn't think about it like that, and what can I do in my life to emulate this idea, and how does this change how I walk through the world and how I see others in the world? Um, I want to be part of the community that is raising awareness and enacting powerful and positive change. Period. (laughs) Yes. The end. Just kidding. (laughs) See you next time. It's so, yeah. (laughs) Goodbye. Um, It's just so awesome because I'll just tell you when Samson and I had our first podcast meeting, we had this like Google document that had maybe five words on it. And as we met, 
we're like, oh, we should write our why and we should do this and do this. And then it slowly became like, how many pages is this now? Like It's a lot. 10, yeah. 15. It's, it's getting there. It's 11 pages now. <laughs> and, and, you know, like that kind of tells us like, okay, we, we have to do a podcast, yeah. right? Like we have to do one if we have this much to talk about and this much inside of us pouring mm-hmm. out of us after meeting yeah. once. Um, my why kind of changed. Um, initially, this podcast was going to be, you know, to share my growth and transition from being in a law enforcement bubble for 10 years as someone who went from not knowing the world of police to knowing the world of police, trying to accept the world of police, becoming an activist, an activist within. Um, and I wanted to do that to help provide insight and encouragement, hope, and discuss reality and complexity of these things in a way that's digestible to everyone and um i think right now in particular as people uh, particularly people who do not fear the police um are awakened to the injustices and awakened to the issues um this is like a critical time to be talking about this and i'm really really thankful that you messaged me um because you have really and continue to change my life in really big ways um and i'm really thankful that i've met you and i'm really thankful to know you and and be be in community with you um and um yeah i really am glad that you suggested that we do a podcast together because this is this is what I've been wanting to do for so long <laughs> and um and I I can't I mean I honestly don't even really believe myself that I said yes to like a practically a stranger <laughs> to do a podcast together but yes you know I'm so Some glad so glad that I did so glad that I did it was worth the worth the wild investment you know yeah well, and I, I'm also really glad you did because I am just an internet rando. <laughs> I am kind of eccentric. I think things in ways that I think sometimes it takes a while to loop around to why I'm thinking it. Um, so bear with me, anyone who's listening, where I'm going on a, a tangent and you're like, where is this going? It'll get there. It will get there. Um, but yeah, like there's things that I think about with this podcast sometimes, you know, like worries, right? Worries and doubts that we have to Mm -hmm. have because we're human. Well, are we human? I don't know. That's Um, a conversation for another day. (laughs) Yes. So like, for example, I, I was in that bubble for 10 years and there are things that I'm still dismantling, right? There are things that I'm still learning And so there might be times where we're talking and something comes up where it's like, wait, Rebecca, why do you think of it that way? And it might be like a aha moment. And then I was thinking like, oh God, I don't want Samson to have to be like dealing with me in my awakening. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess that's the journey, right? Like that's the journey. I'm, I'm happy to be here on, on your journey of, of, all of the things and in this like critical time in your life and yeah I'm I'm here for it I love it I'm here for it too and I just want to note that we're we are literally just two white people talking (laughs) on a podcast like 
so many other yeah. white people talking on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> and as much as we want to inspire and create change, please note that we are just two white people <laughs> talking on a podcast. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we'll give ourselves a little bit of credit, but not that much credit. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I I do think very highly of myself, <laughs> but... I do also need to humble myself a little bit. This is the first Yeah, episode. yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't even gotten into it yet. <laughs> also, this episode is sponsored no, by... No, we kidding. have no sponsors. Are you kidding me? There's no way in hell. I got us a sponsor. That would be incredible. I didn't. Um, I almost thought about making Jeff's business a sponsor. <laughs> like, just be like... <laughs> but it's like, that's such a fake lie. Like, that's such a lie. <laughs> Uh, oh my god. So should we get into some cues? Anyways. Some cues and Should A's? we do questions? Yeah. Do you want to explain this part of the this part of the show? Yes. Now, this is a segment I thought of um mostly because it's something I love. Uh fun fact, I don't listen to podcasts. This is new to me, so I don't know how they're supposed <laughs> to go. But Samson told me that there are segments. And I immediately was like, we should do a blind Q&A. You know, and I don't know if that's something podcasts do. It's something ours do. And we're a podcast, so. <laughs> we yeah. do it now. Um, and so basically it's questions I've written for Samson. And he has no clue what they are. He's written questions for me. I have no clue what they are. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> We're going to see how it goes. I had a moment of panic last night when I wrote three, and you were like, oh, I wrote way more than three, so I wrote more. No, I didn't mean to make you panic. Was that wasn't like, the point. <laughs> well, but then I was like, oh, no, what if what if Samson's, like, writing these really, like, deep, oh, thoughtful questions, no. and I have, I have some weird ones. Oh, I have weird ones, too. <laughs> the first – I'm really excited to ask you this, this first question, actually. Um – Okay, Okay. let's jump in. So what do you do when you are missing one of a pair of a sock? Like, what do you do with your leftover sock? This is so, this is so funny. (laughs) It's a very important question. I, oh my God, now the world's going to know how neurotic I am. (laughs) So I only buy one type of sock in one color. So I never have mismatched socks and I just throw them in a You pile. are not neurotic because I also tend to buy pretty much the same sock. I, well, I go with whatever's kind of on sale, but hopefully it is like a black ankle sock mm-hmm. is kind of my deal. Unless, but like same. I live in a place where there's same. winter, so I have to get like also winter socks. So I have a bunch of those winter as well. Socks. But, um, but I've also found that because I buy different brands sometimes, um, they they're not exactly the same, and so they're they're, they're they're still black, but they're like different size a little bit, or like different like the 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 yes. band at the ankle isn't the same or something. So I still have matches to socks technically, but you know <laughs> if I have an uneven amount of socks, I will do something with that extra sock. I have a bin under our sink of like yeah. rags and they're mostly just socks that I don't have the other pair to but anyways um love that <laughs> love that yeah. I asked that question <laughs> yeah do you want to ask a question for me or do you want me to ask my other two questions I would like to ask okay. my question <laughs> okay I'm ready hit me with it 
<laughs> okay. Do you have any petty peeves? Oh, petty peeves. Mm. Like pet peeves, but I'm really not, petty not about it. Not just a pet peeve. It. Okay. That's a great question. <laughs> um... <laughs> I guess because I have uh, a roommate right now that's kind of being a dick. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I, my, I guess my pet peeve right now is like, um, my petty peeve is is when I clean the bathroom, because uh, I'm the only one that cleans the bathroom really. Um, and and I just clean it, and then there's like, like, hair on the toilet seat. And I'm like, I just oh. did this. I like, or like hair in the sink. It's like, how can you live with it like this? Yeah. I just, I get so, I, I, I put a note. We, I have these dry erase markers and I write notes in the mirror sometimes. More like motivational stuff or like things I have to remember. Yeah. And I wrote a note. It was like, if you shave, which is all, th- all three of yeah. us, me and my two roommates, uh, please clean up the sink after you're done because I had just done it the day before and I don't want to see it. Um, and so I was, it's like definitely <laughs> passive aggressive to leave a note like that. But like, it wasn't a a mean note. It wasn't like, I love it. clean up your shit. It was like, if you shave, please remember to clean the sink when you're done, which is like not like, I don't know, maybe yes. it would, it, it clearly got people a little upset afterwards, but you know what? Um, <laughs> I don't care. I, I, when I clean yeah. something, I want it to stay clean for as long as possible. And if you're not going to do clean up after yourself, like I am right. not your maid, you know, like let me, uh, oh my gosh, I'm getting, I'm getting worked right. up <laughs> over it. <laughs> Yikes. I'm so no, sorry. No, no, it's a great question. Do you have a petty peeve? I do. And it's, it's, I feel like yours isn't very petty because I relate to you. <laughs> my petty peeve is petty. Um. I I am very irked when people tell me to drink water and ask me, have you drank your oh, water? No. Have you, oh, this is your reminder to drink water. And it's like, fuck you. Rebecca, it's <laughs> because so you're neurotypical. Mad. You don't need a reminder to drink water. Like, I, I do. I, I don't drink my water every day. I know. I will go several days without having water. This is like, why it's petty. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, it's petty. I wouldn't tell people to stop because they're coming from a, a mindset of kindness. And if you've sent me those messages, just know I've never been mad at you. I just have pettiness towards that. And the reason I have pettiness towards it is because I am on medication that requires me to drink over a gallon of water yeah, a day. Yeah, you do not need to be so reminded. Always yeah. drinking water. Yeah, you do not need to be <laughs> yes. reminded. Yes, and so when I get when I get reminded by people, I feel like they're agents of my doctor, and I'm like, get out oh, of my no. life. Oh, no. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. So that's my petty peeve. Did you drink your water? Amazing. I no. I've just had coffee and a couple sips of water that I had left over from when I took my medication earlier. Like <laughs> I'm not not hydrated. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I. And I still, like, I guess it's probably because I don't want to have to go to the bathroom a lot because as someone with ADHD, it's like I oh. ignore my bodily functions all the time. I When I got up this morning, like, normal people go to the bathroom first thing when they wake up. I don't. I took the dog out, let her go to the bathroom, go upstairs. I 
started making coffee, I said, no, I'm not going to go to the bathroom first. I'm going to start making my coffee so that I can go to the bathroom <laughs> while it's brewing because that will be more efficient. And then I went to the bathroom and started um, organizing my little box that has my my toiletries. <laughs> and then I went into my bedroom and, and I um, like put some things away in my bedroom. And then I noticed that um, – because I, I have my my roommate's girlfriend's dog is staying with us right now while she's away. Uh, I was like, oh, we should. And she's she comes over all the time with the dog. So it's like, oh, we should have little hooks for the dog's leashes. So I put those up. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I had to go to the bathroom 20 minutes ago. Forgot about the coffee. Like, just, that's my life. Um, so I guess I don't it's drink incredible. water because, A, I'm forgetting to do it already because I'm doing other things. Or, B, um... I don't want to go to the, I don't want to like ruin my bladder because I have to go, I'm ignoring the fact that I have to go to the bathroom. So, you know, anyways, I, ADHD right. problems, anybody out there who has it knows, they know. Um, I, okay, I have another question <laughs> for you. Um, do you believe in aliens? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no hesitation. Good. There, yes. Yeah. Um, fun story. I believe in aliens so much that the first time I talked to an FBI agent as part of my job for the sheriff's department, I asked him when we were done talking about work stuff, I said, is there an actual X-Files? And he said, excuse me? And I said, is there an X-Files unit? And he goes, like, for our ex-wives? And I said, no, <laughs> like, paranormal activity. Ex-wives, are you kidding me? And he, he kind of... Yeah, he was, like, so not into that question. And I was like, yeah, you're an FBI agent. Mulder and Scully were FBI agents. They did paranormal stuff. I wonder, is it real? And he just kind of sat there and he goes, no, it's not real. And I was like, ooh, it's real. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, That shit's real. (laughs) Affirmed. Denied, but absolutely affirmed the fact that it is real. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yes. word. Good. I Yeah, so yes, I asked an FBI agent. <laughs> um, yes, I also believe in aliens. I um firmly believe that they are real. And I mean like intelligent life. I don't mean like, you know, organisms living on a planet that are microscopic. Like, yeah, those are obviously out there. Um, but there's definitely intelligent life. There's definitely we they they have interacted with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I actually think, I think there are aliens on this earth with us who figured out how to Mm -hmm. get here and that they kind of liked it almost like Disneyland. And so they're just like living their best lives. Visiting. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, Yeah. And they're like, ooh, gotta pay my taxes. Ha 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 ha. This is not Disneyland. I'm sorry. This is not the most magical place on earth. No. Chaos has ensued for the first or the second half of our of our podcast recording, and in my apartment. Um, okay, it's okay. <sighs> Hit me with another question. Okay, okay. Let's see here. Um, this is one that Jeff asked last night, and then said, "Don't ask." <laughs> and so I'm going to ask it. So Jeff wants to know if you had the BTS meal from McDonald's. And then he said, don't ask that. Just because I said it doesn't mean you're supposed to the say BTS it. The BTS meal. <laughs> I was like, okay. What is the BTS? Oh, like uh, 
the like themed meal. Well, I think it's like a collab meal with uh Yeah, the they've been group. doing that. They've been fast food is collaborating with with uh with a bunch of celebrities lately, um which is weird to me, but whatever. Uh they're making money. They they've found a good uh good uh way of you know, working the system, I suppose, or whatever it is. I don't know. Um what a weird trend. <laughs> what a weird trend. Yeah. I have not tried it. Um, I don't plan to. I'm mostly vegetarian. Like, if my family makes me meat, I'm not going to be picky because it's already been made. And, like, or if someone, like, invites me over to dinner and they didn't know I was vegetarian and, like, they cook meat, I'm not going to, like, be rude and say no. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't like McDonald's. I will go to Burger King because they yes. have the Impossible I Burger. I love Burger King. That is, like often it's like hit or miss with me sometimes it's good sometimes it's not good they kind of overcook it sometimes and it gets really dry and and then if they don't ask you if you don't tell them Mm -hmm. sometimes if they if you want cheese they won't put cheese on it which makes sense but then they also put the like mayo based uh you know burger sauce on it which i'm like well then it's not vegan so like what is the point of not putting cheese on this burger anyways that was a tangent but (laughs) no i haven't tried it I don't think I ever will. I think that's – I'm not a BTS fan either, so I don't know. I've never had it, and Jeff's never had it, but he was just asking because – and then I thought it was I love it. to ask. I love it. That's a great question. <laughs> um, I have yes. a question. Um, where is the best place you've ever had a meal? Oh. <clears throat> Let's see here. So I – I live in a very absolute world, right? And I don't mean vodka. <laughs> I very much go like, this is the best burger. This is the best sandwich. This, you know, like I have categories for all my mm. absolutes that I live by. There's no gray, right? So if I have to say meal, like the meal that I think about and go like, oh, I would love to have that again. Or anytime it's like, ooh, where do we want to go? I want this meal is there was a restaurant <clears throat> in the county over called Crush and it was like an Italian steakhouse. We would get something called the bruschetta, which is not like normal bruschetta. It was like this grilled like big pieces of bread so it was still like kind of soft mm-hmm. but like grilled and like had that char on it. And then they would get burrata cheese and they would marinate the burrata cheese in like a pesto so it was like creamy and like kind of stringy. And they would um, saute, like, blister uh, cherry tomatoes to the point where, like, they just, like, spread on the bread, like, almost like a garlic confit. And then they had arugula. And so you get, like, the peppery from the arugula, the garlic from the pesto, the creaminess from the burrata, and then, like, these tomatoes. And that's, like, my favorite meal. We make it. Like, I make it at my house because Crush is no longer a restaurant. They crushed. <laughs> yeah, but that's like the thing I think about all the time. Like that's my favorite, favorite, favorite one. And I can make it. I know how to make it. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. I love that you like learned how to make it too. Like that is, that's the cool part for me. That it's like, it's not just like about the restaurant. It's like, oh, like I actually know how to make this thing. And like it is like just as delicious as when I had it at the restaurant, which is, that's fucking cool word yeah what about yours i don't know if i could actually answer that question 
no, I, I don't think I can answer it, actually. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, That's funny. You know, I'm always going to be, like, biased of, like, you know, my family's cooking, right? Right. So, like, I'm, I'm never going to be, like... Because, so, okay, my brother is a chef. Um, nice. He's in California, and he's, like, you know, has worked at, like, nice L.A. restaurants, like, Michelin star restaurants, and... and was a private chef for a little while for very rich families in Hollywood. Um, and uh, so, like, I can't compare, I guess, like, the best food that I, the meal that I've had was when I was in California at my brother's restaurant <laughs> that he works at. And, like, oh, my God, they have, all, okay, shout out to Birdie G's in L.A. Um, they have an amazing brisket. Um, it just melts it just melts away in your mouth and um and then also uh they have a great matzo ball soup Yum. and um uh they they i think they're still doing it they have a rose petal pie um so it's a you know in like the like decades ago and maybe the like 50s and 60s they would have those jello molds mm -hmm. and they would also have that like cream and it was very sweet and it was filled with fruit um well they do a kind of a similar take on that in my opinion that's kind of what it's taking on um it's a pie it's still in okay. the pie shape it has a crust but it's uh rose petal infused there's candied rose petals on top and it has um the cream and then also this like gel these like bits of jello in it um and it sounds weird and bizarre. Sounds yeah. like it wouldn't be good, but it honestly tastes Amazing. incredible. Oh. I, I'm obsessed. I hope they keep it on their menu forever. They were gonna take <laughs> it off and replace it with something else. I'm glad they didn't because it's yeah. so good. Um, it sounds amazing. Yeah. So shout out to Birdie G's. Everybody should go there. Birdie G's. Yeah. Um, be our sponsor. <laughs> Birdie G's. Yep. <laughs> I would love that. They should be. They should be. Sponsor us. As if. Um, <laughs> uh, is it my turn to ask a question? How many um, have I asked? I think we've both asked. You've oh, asked, asked three. three. Okay. I've asked two. Yeah. So let me see. I have so okay. many. Which one do I want to ask? <clears throat> okay. What is your favorite quote and why is that your favorite quote? Easy. Um, so when I was in college, uh, freshman year, I was uh, working backstage in the props department on a show called Savage in Limbo. It was the first show that I got to work on um, while I was in college, and it's by John Patrick Shanley. John Patrick Shanley also wrote um, Moonstruck with Nicolas Cage and Cher, which yes. is one of my favorite movies. So. Um, shout out to John Patrick Shanley. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Savage and Limbo, actually, the quote that I, that I love is not, um, it is not in the play. It is the dedication at the beginning of the play. And it goes like, this play is dedicated to all those good assassins who contributed to the death of my former self. And that just feels, so I'm a Scorpio, so it's the it's a very Scorpio thing. Um, and 
Um, it's also, it uh, feels like a very trans thing and, and feels like a very, like, um, you know, when I think about those assassins, um, I, uh, I think about all of, not, not just the people, but the, the experiences that I've had that have shifted the way that I view myself and the way that I want to carry myself throughout the world and the, the traumas and the healing that I've done that has shifted um, how I move throughout the world, and and so that that quote just hit me really hard when I when I read it. Um, that dedication, and it makes so much sense with the play. Um, it, the play is about these five people. They're thirty two years old. They end up in this weird limbo space mm-hmm. in this bar, and Savage is this woman who's who's going through this like identity crisis, and um, it's all of them kind of going through this this exploration of like how do you change your life how do you how do you move through your your life and make changes and um and it just spoke to me in such a real way um when i first saw it um and read it and studied it and got to work on it so um maybe someday i'll direct that play and um it'll be really cool yeah manifest it absolutely absolutely um yeah that that is a quote that i love what about you i love quotes i love your quote and how much it means to you and i kind of thought like oh i'll make a joke and be like wowie kazowie is my favorite quote but like (laughs) i don't want to make a joke about it um so the one that i have been thinking about a lot lately and what kind of sparked this question because i've just been thinking about this a lot is it's from a book um, uh, by Jonathan Saffron Foyer. He's the one who did like Everything's Illuminated, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. He has a couple other books. But this one's from Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. And it says, Sometimes I can hear my bones straining under the weight of all the lives I'm not living. And Mm. lately, I've been feeling like I am not tapping into the life and lives that I want to be pursuing and manifesting and dreaming and all, you know, like I was on cruise control for so long and I was um, rereading this book and read that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. Like I not only can I hear my bones straining, (laughs) I can feel them. Like Mm. my body has this, electricity in it where it's like we're doing this podcast and it's like yes let's do the podcast yes I want to do this yes like 2021 I don't do resolutions but you know this is my year of no apologies this is my year of being what I want to be and doing what I want to do and I don't want to hear myself straining because I'm not living you know (laughs) Mm, yeah 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 so wowie kazowie that's it (laughs) (laughs) i love that and i love that this year is the year of no apologies for you i'm very excited about that and you don't really seem like the person to apologize anyways but not really um no but (laughs) but at the same time i love that you're committing to that and committing to you know yourself i mean that's that's really important and and your well-being like not just yourself like i think you 
have talked a lot about how you're, you know, quote, a narcissist. Yeah. We could get into that sometime, but... Um, I took a test. You took a test. You found out that you're a little bit of a narcissist, but it's not yes. in a bad way. Um, no. It's in a very a interesting real, way. Yeah, there's a very... You know, like, I think it's interesting when you were talking about earlier with your um, your pursuit to make the world better is very selfish. And, like, regardless of what the reason that you're doing it is, it's still a great thing that you are, you know, pursuing this betterment of, of the people around you. And, and regardless of the reason, you know, it yeah. doesn't, that doesn't really matter as long as it's doing doing right I think Um, yeah well and it's it's also selfish in the way where it's like I want things better for me and the people I love and care about mm -hmm. and and it's not selfish in the way of like ooh, if I do these things people will think I'm cool or people will think this is like I don't give two shits what people think about me I never have I can't I don't even like I just don't care at all and that's a Capricorn thing I think like that's we get a bad rap for being apathetic but it's like we care about what we care about and I care about what I care about and I selfishly will pursue what I want to be better and either for myself or for others and and I can because I'm an adult (laughs) exactly do what you want I'm a grown up (laughs) Yeah. So did you have more questions? I don't. I think I think we're coming to a close of our first episode. Um, I think so, too. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Shall we wish everybody a horrible day and maybe explain why we're doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Um, obviously, we can't do it in unison because of the delay, but yeah, why don't yeah. you go ahead and do it, and then uh, we'll, one of us will explain it. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have an absolutely horrible day. Um, I wish pain and suffering upon you as you go forth throughout your day uh, and throughout the world. Um, and uh, I, um, I guess we'll catch you next time. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Rebecca, why don't you explain why I'm doing that to everyone? <laughs> yes, so basically... There is this concept of balance in the world. And lately I've been noticing a lot of love and light. And not that that's a bad thing, but I feel like we need to restore some balance. So because of balance and we want the world to be balanced with hate and darkness, we hope you have a terrible day. And (laughs) we'll see you next Monday. (laughs) And don't be sick.